Hey everyone, and welcome to the Open System Podcast for February 2018. My name is Landon Mascareñas, and I am your host for the Open System Podcast. Hope everyone's having a wonderful February. You know, one of the major questions I often get when I have conversations uh, about the Open System with folks around the country is, what does it mean to scale this work out? I understand what it means to have it happen at a school what potential best practice around academic partnership or sharing power looks like at a school level or a micro level. And I may even get it around what a district should do kind of for a strategic initiative. But, you know, the big question is, what does it mean to make it scale across all of our schools, across all of our systems in a school district? And kind of more importantly, if we did that, would it actually impact our system for the better? Would it be a better thing um, from an outcomes perspective. Um, these questions, I'm sure if you're in the open system work or in family engagement work around the country or working with parents and families are questions that you get pretty often from skeptics or even allies in the work. So the question is, what are we going to do as a system to scale up these solutions and have research-based strategies that are really about opening the system? You know, There's a lot of people that care about open system work or family engagement work from a heart space. And I think that's really exceptional. And I think that's really important. We need people to lead from that space. But we also need practitioners who are going to willing to take their personal um, spiritual commitment to opening systems and family engagement to a practice um, systems and policy uh, level. And uh, our guest today, Dr. Ivan Duran, is exactly that kind of person. For the time he was at Denver Public Schools, when I got to know him, he was someone who was deeply committed to making sure that research-driven strategies around family engagement were scaled up across his entire elementary school group within Denver Public Schools. He was also really instrumental in thinking uh, how we can break the cycle of turnaround and uh, helping to lead on a year zero turnaround project that would really redefine what sharing power and vision with parents and families and turnaround would look like. And we get into all that and as well as his personal commitment and why he started to think about family engagement in his own career uh, from a variety of angles. So um, I hope you enjoy this conversation. I think it's a really great way to think about um, research, scale, personal commitment to family engagement and what it means to, to focus in on this work. So with no further ado, Dr. Ivan Duran, Superintendent of Bellevue Public Schools, Washington. Um, thank you for finding time. Oh, you're welcome. We're in your beautiful office in Bellevue, Washington. Yes, we looking are. out over the Pacific Northwest. Beautiful trees. Nice beautiful to see trees. nature. Great to see nature. So, uh, Ivan, let's start with uh, why you got involved in education. Where did it all start uh, for you? And um, tell me a little about your journey to becoming superintendent in Bellevue. Well, that's, we probably need about an hour for that. There we go, but, yeah. But I think at a real simple level, it's actually... One of the things that I've been able to do here in Bellevue is actually start to share my story around how, you know, why I do what I do, which is, you know, something I think is so important. But a lot of the reasons why I ended up becoming an educator, you know, number one is that, you know, my parents didn't have great success in, in school. You know, my mom was a native Spanish speaker who moved up from New Mexico to Colorado and entered a system that wasn't ready for her to, um, you know, be successful in schools, and she struggled. Um, as a result, you know, my mom never went to college, you know, was a high school um, educator, you know, graduated from high school. And then my dad was a high school dropout, you know, and a lot of that was due to his father passing away. Um, and then just my own experience in school, just, uh, you know, a lot of struggles, you know, experienced racism in a couple of different places and just really saw how systems and structures weren't necessarily always designed for every student. And 
when groups of students were being brought together, um, there weren't always good processes in place to help them figure out how to get along with each other. And so yeah, I don't think it's any accident that I became an educator when yeah. I think about my parents' experience and the stories that I heard and my own experiences. And um, I had a significant experience when I was about 19 years old when I was doing some work in a church with some youths and um, just really saw the impact of an individual you know, can have on students who are struggling in the world. And I remember that was a moment where I said, I need to get to college, I need to go to school and be become a teacher. So that's how I, I got into education. And you know, I've just been really blessed to have a great career and lifelong educator and say that proudly, you know, and um, been able to experience everything from the teacher to district level positions. And um, now a superintendent, just a, just a really great honor to be here. That's awesome. And I appreciate the perspective on the story, because again, that's also an area we share, the connection to family place in New Mexico and Colorado. Um, we'll dive into your time at Denver Public Schools through family engagement in a little bit, but I want to talk about Bellevue right now. Tell me about Bellevue. If someone's listening to this and they don't know anything about Bellevue, what would, what would you know? tell us about the city and the community and the school district? Yeah, well, I would say there's a lot of perceptions around Bellevue, but uh, I think anybody that has uh, you know any kind of perceptions, um, I invite them to come and have more conversations with me because they're learning a lot about the community. And, you know, I've spent um, the first six months of my tenure here um, on an entry plan, so I've done a lot of listening and learning. And I've learned that, you know, Bellevue is an incredibly diverse community, a uh, community that's very supportive. It's had a line curriculum. We've done AP for All. Academically, students have had a lot of success. Um, I've also heard that, you know, the Bellevue Schools has been, you know, nationally recognized and you know, we have more students who graduate and kids taking AP courses, you know, are oftentimes scoring 20% higher than other students in the state. So the academic rigor and expectations here are incredibly high. Um, the, there's a wonderful staff here, really great people doing great work. Um, there's been some really great past work to set the district in some really good direction. And, you know, as I've come in and learned a lot more, you know, that um, Bellevue also has another side of the story where when we look at state exams, 70% of kids you know will do well. We've got another 30% of kids that aren't doing well. And when you break down those numbers, you know, they tend to be students who are African-American, black, Latino, special ed, are students who speak other languages. So the opportunity for us to get it right is, is just wonderful because, you know, so many students are already having success. And this is an incredibly diverse community, and that's the one thing I don't think people realize that, yeah. you know, we have over... 125 birth countries, over 94 wow. first languages with, you know, English, Spanish, and then Mandarin being, you know, the top three. Um, but, you know, we have families from, you know, every part of the world here, so we really are a microcosm of, of the world. So the opportunity for us to really learn how to get along and to build relationships and develop understandings around, you know, different kind of cultures and um, ethnic perspectives um, and experience that people have is just a wonderful opportunity for us mm -hmm. and uh, just really again just excited to be here it's just been a great opportunity to be up in the yeah. northwest love being up in this area and um, we have a lot of work to do but we're going to be launching some strategic planning work here um, to really make sure that we get our um, um, all of our students you know mm -hmm. finding success let's uh now pivot to Denver Public Schools and mm -hmm. I probably want to ask you about what's kind of some of the differences in family engagement you see here versus there to for help people understand the difference as a system leader. Um, when I got to know you in Denver Public Schools, we worked on a variety of projects, and I knew you as a 
big champion of family and community engagement uh, and really respected you for that. And two things that you really took on really have been huge parts of my deepening my understanding around family and community engagement. And one was the home visit project. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, well, you, you were the assistant superintendent for elementary school during this time. One is the home visit project, and the other was the year zero oh, yeah. uh, turnaround project, which I think both put family engagement at the forefront. I'd love to hear about, you know, first, how did you come to think about family engagement as a priority in your work as your leader? Because a lot of leaders don't mm -hmm. choose to think about family engagement, or at least think about it strategically. I think you are someone who thinks about it very strategically. So first, how did you get there as a leader to think about that as an important priority for you? Um, and then let's spend some time on the home visits and year zero and why you prioritize those initiatives. Mm. Yeah, and those are great questions. I think for me, it goes back to um, first thing popped in mind is as a teacher. Yeah. You know, um, I started off being a fifth grade teacher at Beach Court Elementary School in Denver, and um, a lot of students who came into my classroom, you know, were not reading at grade level, were struggling, you know, academically, behaviorally, and, you know, just trying to figure out what was going on. Um, I started doing home visits and to go to the oh, yeah. home with the students to find out, you know, what was going on and meet the parents. And that just always gave me a good perspective on what that student need for further support. And so that was all just on my, my own, you know, to, yeah. initiative to do that. And then when I was a, a building leader, um, that same perspective came into play that, you know, I was dealing with students, um, especially as assistant principal, you end up doing some of the discipline work most yeah. often. And, um, would uh, always want to try to figure out what is going on with the student, what's the rest of the story that we need to know, and why is this student struggling, why are they acting out, you know, what's happening. So I think I've always come from that perspective that you need to f seek first to understand um, before you figure out what needs to happen next. So as an administrator, I'd go do home visits and yeah, you know, go great. talk with families and visit with them. And, um, and again, in some cases, you know, I really got to see that you know, many situations and home environments for our students, you know, um, it was a challenging environment. And so the idea of a student being able to do homework was probably not going to happen in a situation where you have, in some cases, multiple families living together yeah. or um, other issues that are happening in, the, in it, the home. It builds a level of understanding that you wouldn't have without. Absolutely. And then being able to bring that back and talk to teachers about that yeah. and saying, you know, we're not going to make any excuses for the student, but we're going to be incredibly empathetic here and make sure that, you know, we're doing everything we can here in the school community. And I think another part, too, I used to always tell our students and families that, you know, I understand that in the community there may be different ways of being, you know, but when you're in our school environment, these are the things that we're trying to promote. And so when I was in Denver, I was just so excited when I heard that the parent-teacher home visit program had started. Yeah. started off really small. I think it was one teacher who kicked that off. And, yeah, at Fairview. Yeah, Fairview, exactly. And I remember that teacher was trying to get Tom, or superintendent, you know, yeah. Tom Bosberg, um, to go on a visit. And when Tom finally went, it was a real big, and you know, enlightenment for him to it see just the power of it. Yeah, yeah, big time. So I was just excited to be able to support that work because mm -hmm. some of the schools that I was working with at the time had started doing that work and sending teachers out into the yeah. community. And again, it just really helped teachers to understand um, the background of the student, the aspirations and hope for families and that they had for their students. and. That's just, that's, that's, that's gold. And that's that the kind gold. of information that you need to hear. And then I also think it really helped to build a relationship, um, you know, between the school and the communities. And I think that's really important in, um, in diverse communities where, you know, some families, you know, depending on the culture and country that they're from, they don't have any connection to the school and they just yeah. leave it up to the educators and, yeah. 
you know, it kind of builds that bridge for them to be able to go and have conversations and know that if they have concerns or wonderings, they can come into school. So the idea of building relationships, I don't think we spend enough time talking about that in yeah. education, but all the parent-teacher home visit programs really help to do that. So let's kind of uh, double-click on that for just a minute before we go to the kind of year zero stuff. You know, we, you, you mentioned it started with one teacher at one school. Now I think this year we have, you know, Denver, Denver Public Schools has about 140 schools in the program. I think they're leading the nation leading in that work. Yeah. 11, over 11,000 visits. You and I have been involved in that work. But, you know, you, your role was pretty consequential because you were the, you know, the guy in charge of all the elementary schools which were driving a lot of this change. I mean, were people resistant to it? What were the, some of the, the ways that you helped lead in helping people understand this was something that had to be a priority? Well, I'm a big believer in bright spots. Yeah. And so, you know, one, the schools that did start to get involved were sharing their stories around what they were seeing and teachers were sharing the experiences that they had. And so we let that story really be told because I think yeah. the teachers and our school leaders who were doing that work were some of the best advocates for the work. And then um, as other buildings heard about the type of impact and the type of learning, they wanted to be part of it. So we just started building that interest from, yeah. from that perspective. And then I think from a central level position, you know, we had a you know, large um, financial commitment that we yes. had made towards it. And, you know, when we started reaching the, the, the top of the, or the tip of that <laughs> spending, you know, we realized we needed to come up with more money because it was having such an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think once, um, once an educator, whether it's a teacher um, or a principal, does a home visit, and is able to build those connections and just have that welcoming environment. It, it just there, there's no way to not do it, you know. Yeah. So we just really supported schools in those efforts and making sure that we, you know, supported teachers in the work and paid them for their time. Uh, but I really feel like the experience itself and what people were seeing in the work really spoke for itself. So it was actually an easy thing to sell. It kind of spread on its own. Yeah, because when you hear the stories, you know. Yeah. And I would say the other thing too that. Um, the way the district had coordinated the efforts, you know, because they had um, regular meetings, you know, with the schools that were involved, and then at the end of the year they had a big celebration, and there was yeah. a, a real big contest around who had the most right. home visits, you know, and so um, it created a really friendly competition, you know. That again, I think the the most powerful thing about it was that the stories and experiences that were shared just compelled people to be part of it. So, um, kind of. One of the things I feel like is a critique against family engagement by some folks in the education space is it's it's uh, not outcomes oriented, um, doesn't lead to you know the gains that you see from other initiatives. But you know recent data suggests that home visits do lead to those sort of gains and do have an opportunity to interrupt biases. I'm sure that's not a surprise to you as someone who's an advocate for the work. But maybe you could talk a little bit about why do you think people doubt the impact of and the outcomes of of family of family engagement. Well, I think in some ways, I mean, I think that's just kind of um, problematic of education over the last 10 years where everything has been centered, or I should say a lot of things have been centered on, you know, academic results and that we have to be able to measure. And if you can't measure it, you shouldn't be doing it. But I think um, anybody that's a a critic of, you know, family engagement, um, I don't think really understands how important relationships are. Um, And so I would probably really want to sit down with people like that to help them understand when you can build relationships, whether it's Mm -hmm. teacher to teacher, teacher to student, you know, teacher to parent, you know, teacher to principal, and you're going to have just a much greater opportunity to be able to find success. So I think it's important to think about um, the type of measures that we are using, you know, and I know in Denver they were using a lot of the logic model concepts so that you're looking both at outputs and outcomes. 
Um, so I think those are ways that you can, you know, maybe alleviate you know, some of the critics of the work. But yeah. um, I just think that, you know, if you don't have relationships with um, your, your constituents, it's very difficult to be able to move any body of work. So. Well, you know, I want to connect a couple of points that you had just said. You talked about your previous experience in education being challenging as you were growing up, um, experiencing uh, bias in the system, the systems and structures. And I think about what you just said about the power of relationships. And I think about what are the implications for a city like D.C. or Denver that in the next few years, like tens of thousands of families will have had home visits from educators um, I, mean, what, I mean, what does that change in a community or change in a system? And to me, I feel like that's, that's what we should be thinking about as our society gets more and more divided. Something could be really different in that community after that, right? Yeah. You know, I, 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 the connection I'll make to that is that when I think about my own experiences in middle school and high school where I struggled, um, I never felt like I belonged. Yeah. I never felt like someone cared for me. Mm-hmm. And... I don't think everybody, I don't think any, had anybody ever tell me that you're smart, yeah. you know. And so I think what, you know, the family engagement and the parent-teacher home visit programs do is really allow some of that voice to come in, yeah. to be able to go to a family and to say, I care enough about your student and about you that I'm here to learn more about that. And so I think that's just going to have, you know, huge impact because it just builds relationships. It really does allow the community, the families, to know that the teachers have an understanding around what the reality is in the community. Yeah. Um, and they understand that, you know, when a student walks home, the different challenges they may face. Um, they also get to see the wonderful opportunities that may be there. Or they may be able to see that, you know, there's no recreational activities for students in certain neighborhoods. So it really just helps to build that empathy. And to me, that empathy is central to the idea of an open system, something that's going to be able to understand where its community and family is, and that understanding will drive different actions mm-hmm. from the system itself, and it won't be closed off to them. Um, when I think about that work, and uh, I, you know, I think back to the Year Zero work, um, you were a driving force in that work, uh, a work I was really proud to work on from a family engagement mm-hmm. side, um, that I think is pretty consequential. You know, people really are wringing their hands around turnaround in this country. Yeah, absolutely. But your, you know, your vision and the vision of the Year Zero project was to really shift that to be something fundamentally different. Tell us about why that, where did that come from? What was the genesis behind it? And was, what, again, was there opposition to this? Because we haven't seen more of that in our communities lately. So, you know, wh- where do you think the, the challenges in doing more of that work? Well, I would say that at that time, I think in, in Denver, you know, we had a, a couple different approaches to turn around happening. We were seeing mixed results. And, um, you know, I've always been an advocate um, that we need to really look at research and best practices to make some decisions, and I don't think we do that enough in education. And so I was very fortunate to have started my doctorate work around that time also, yeah. and I keyed in on turnaround. And so, you know, just being able to have a really wide body of, of information, be able to read, you know, the thing that struck me the most when I looked at the national models is that when school districts were doing turnaround work, it was usually something being done to the community yes. and the impact of schools. And so many times communities, you know, families really had no voice in what was going to happen. And, you know, some schools have found success that way, but in the majority of cases, it didn't create success and there was a lot of resistance. And, you know, even if you're going to make difficult choices, whether it's closing a school or bringing a different program in, um, if you figure out a way to engage the community in some way, you can usually move them along the way. So the year zero work, you know, when we knew we had a set of schools that were going to be um, undergoing, you know, some potential turnaround work. 
you know, we just really wanted to flip the model around. And so yeah. one of the things that I think one of the, the center of our work was we want to make sure that we get the community involved mm-hmm. and really build stakeholder, you know, involvement from parents, um, business leaders, teachers, staff, you know, and school leaders. And so I just think that was a, a really key thing that we wanted to do is that we wanted to involve the community in the process yeah. and have them help us figure out what the next vision of the school was going to be. Yeah. And I think another key thing to that is that, um, you know, we hired um, principals had proven results, yeah. you know, um, in other areas, which I think was important. And then giving them the time, I mean, literally a year to design, yeah. you know, a school vision and plan um, for what's, you know, the next version of the school was going to gonna look like. And, you know, the community involvement work was challenging in the beginning. Cause I remember yeah. some of the principals talking that, you know, what's your vision for, you know, the school and what yeah. do you want to see your students? And I think the majority of uh, families responded was they want their students to feel safe. Yeah. They want their students to be cared for. You know, and I think some of our leaders, I think even some of my expectations, that family's going to think, I want my kid to have project-based learning, yes, and exactly. I want to do STEM expeditionary school. learning. Yeah. yeah, STEM, or yeah. more technology, but that's not what the family said. So there was a big component to help families understand what could be possible. Yeah. And so I think our school leaders did a really good job in doing that. But I think developing the vision, then developing the plan, mm-hmm. and then presenting that, you know, collectively, you know, to the larger school community and then to the staff, it gave the staffs, you know, then the opportunity to make that decision if they wanted to stay at that school and stay part of that vision or, you know, possibly move on. But absent that vision and direction of where the school was going to go, I think it would be very difficult to, to make a decision to be part of something. I want to uh, go into that just for a little bit more. You know, my experience is that when I've talked to folks about processes like this or, hey, we're going to bring community in to help build a vision to drive the next day's process, I always find people who are really excited about that. But I do find a significant amount of people, sometimes the folks that are kind of in power or in charge, have enormous resistance to that idea. It really scares them. I mean, there's there's something about opening up or building a different co-created vision with others that are outside of the walls of the school system uh, that really freaks some people out. I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about those mindsets and how do, how do people in the open space help break down some of those mindsets? What's the, what are some tools you've used to help move people along? Well, I would say one is just a, from a visual perspective, just thinking around that school is not the four you know, walls of the building. Yeah. The school is a community. Yeah. And you know, it's the communities that really do own the schools. Mm-hmm. You know? And so I think that, that's the mindset I think that a person needs to have, that um, you know, as educators, you know, we're trained, we have the research, the understanding, you know, the practices, we've seen what's worked and what hasn't worked, but Ultimately, you know, you still have to spend the time, you know, working in the community and engage in the community yeah. because if you can get the, again, community involved, you can just get so much more accomplished. Yeah. And I just go back to, again, my experience as a principal, you know, I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, that was some of the, the most challenging work that I did, but also some of the most important work, you know. I remember starting off where there was um, two parents who were part of PTSA yeah. And, you know, by the time I left the school, you know, we had, you know, 50 parents that were yeah. part of it, you That's know, but it was a long process to yeah. do that. But what I found was that the the family members, the parents, you know, they had a really good perspective on what, what they could do to help and they wanted to help. You know, it was our responsibility to try to figure out, you know, how to help guide them and direct them in, in yeah. some of the things that we needed to accomplish. But I think for people, again, that may not be as open or fearful about it, 
I think you just have to embrace it. You know, you have to embrace your community. You have to become part of your community. And, you know, I think in, in Denver in particular, you know, there's a number of leaders that I think about that are just exceptional in terms of knowing their community, being part of their community, and many of them live in the community, which is, you know, even a huge bonus. But if you don't understand your, con your, your core customers, you know, how can you really create a product that's going to support them? So yeah. just encourage people to take the time, effort, the and time. The energy yeah. to do it. And then the other thing I would just say is that um, I, I think, again, in Denver, some of the, the reasons why the work was so successful, successful is that there was a really strong community engagement office that mm -hmm. provided support. So, you know, as a principal supervisor or principal, you didn't necessarily have to do it on your own. Yeah. And I think sometimes that, I probably would say, has been more of the reasons why people, you know, tend not to um, get involved with community engagement work because it takes time and it yeah. takes a lot of effort and energy. You're trying to do other things. But if you can have people around you, surround yourself with a larger team to support that work, mm -hmm. you can get a lot more accomplished. That's powerful. So I know we're running out of time here, but I want to ask uh, one more one more question. This is kind of a question I try to close down with. It, you can build any uh, dinner party you want to in the world. What would the dinner, who who would you invite to the dinner party? And what would it be like? Any dinner party. Any uh, dinner party. What you know? I start off with my wife. Start Maybe there. That'd be great. I would love. I think. Uh, I, I think especially now in this time and and day, um, I think it'd be fascinating to have um, the Obamas at the table. Yeah. Um, I think I'd love to have, you know, some of the, the educational leaders that I respect a lot, you know, from Tom Bosberg to Antoine Wilson, you know, um, Susanna Cordova, people that I have, you know, a lot of respect. And uh, it really, I would want people that would be centering the conversation around education, what can we do next? Yeah. Um, people like Glenn Singleton to bring in a really yeah. strong perspective oh, on what we so can exciting. do to, you know, keep pushing conversations about race and privilege and, and the other areas of, of need. and. Um, you know, and I think I would want to have some parents there, too. Mm -hmm. You know, I can think of a couple of parents in my mind now that would just be, yeah. you know, really honored to be at a table like that to hear, um, you know, really good thought thinkers. But I think first and foremost, I would start with um, my wife and then the Obamas because they're just... Uh, their, their, their legacy is huge and still continues in many ways. That sounds like a wonderful dinner party, yeah. if I can say so myself. I yeah, maybe you can come too. Maybe, Lincoln, so. yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll bring the drinks in, or, uh, you know, and I just come stop by for dessert. Yeah. Um, and the last question is, what's the best vacation you've ever been on? Best vacation I've ever been on? I know you're a man that likes a good vacation. Hmm. I would say the best vacation has been, uh, you know, um, I'd say Italy and hiking Italy. in the Dolomites, you know. Yeah. I'm a big outdoors person, love, love being outdoors. But, um, you know, I've always, you know, grew up in the mountains of Colorado. And, yeah. you know, and now we have tons of mountains up here in the northwest. But uh, I think being in the mountains of Italy were just so wonderful. They're just a different landscape, different yeah. food, different culture, different languages, being all part of that. Yeah. Love the experience and uh, love to go back and keep doing more of that. So. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, well thank you, Dr. Brown. This was thank really you. wonderful. Yeah, it was a good opportunity. So thank you. Thank you.